If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Recorded live. Well, on the record, Brother Priest, today is April 25th, 2018. Issues of Men. I see Brother Robert, Brother E.K., Brother Shedrick, Brother Ramya. Um... I don't see brother Lynn. So, um, brother Ramya, how are you? All of well, brother Priest. Yeah. What? Say it again. Good, brother. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, are, are things getting better for you? You got to cut that down, bro. Yeah, things things are looking up. Uh, I uh, I got three uh, job offerings, and uh, one just called me. Another one just called me today. So, Most High is uh is is opening the doors for me, and I'm I'm very grateful. Praise the Lord. Happy to hear that. Um, it's a rough life. Brother Robert, how are you? Hanging in there, brother. Day by day. How about yourself, brother? I am hanging in there as well, brother. It's the best way to describe it. Brother Cedric, how are you, sir? Shalom, brother. Um, I'm okay for the most part. Um, I had a question for you. Um yeah. tomorrow I'm going to I want to take some time out of my day to start working on calling or reaching out to some of the um homeless shelters, and maybe some of the churches in my local area. Um, I know that you, you know, kind of gave us some idea of uh, what it is that we're going to say to them. There were some things I was kind of um, thinking about in terms of uh, collecting goods for um, some of, well, not some of, but for people who may be in need or who may be part of our um, uh, temple in our particular areas. And I was just thinking, because I know that, like, right now, um, I'm probably not in, like, the biggest space, Um, and I'm still kind of considering or, or still trying to figure out exactly, like, what to do if we are to start collecting items or uh, non-perishable goods 
uh, food goods and things like that and have to store them, um, especially when you have, like, you know, limited space. And this was just some of the things that I was uh, pondering over yesterday, and I was just going to wait till we got here today to kind of ask that question. Um, and I just wanted to know what your thoughts was about that. Well, there's we kind of talked about this in, in civil diplomacy, so it's been a while. Yeah. So um, I know there's probably things that a whole lot that we don't remember, but um, one thing is this: you you always if in in this time that we don't personally have space, then um, if we're the the um, the organizer or what have you of the uh, thing, um, we might have to get a storage role. You know, okay. so like they have those small ones that are like fifty dollars a month or something like that. But you only want to do that when we got enough people that are in that area that can support paying the $50 a month or whatever it takes and that are going to actually participate. So that would be that. In the meantime, um, alternatively, when we started, if somebody that's there that participates in they're trustworthy enough, then maybe we can store the stuff where they are. Okay. You know what I mean? So those would be the two solutions. <clears throat> gotcha. Yes, sir. It was just something that kind of crossed my mind. And, again, I like you said, I know we haven't necessarily uh, touched on it in a while, um, but, you know, when we started talking about it last week, I was like, um, I know it was one of the things that kind of crossed my mind, and I was just kind of like, well, you know, I'd have to do, I have to, you know, do the best way I know how, um, and we all have to do it the best way that we know how, but it was just something that kind of crossed my mind again. Um, so that's why I asked, brother. And thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First thing I want to say is, if you have, are near a computer, um, please log into your Facebook and uh, send a link to everybody to join the Fishers of Men um, group. So while we're on the line, please... Um, Sign in to your Facebook, and it should is probably in your messenger. I still there's still a lot of stuff about Facebook I don't understand, or uh, I'm learning every day. So please do that while we're live on this call. Is anybody that's here that cannot do that? Well, EK, I know you're already in there. Um, anybody that cannot do it while we're live on the call. Well, uh, go on Facebook, right? Uh, I can't go inside my my Facebook, but I do have Messenger still on my phone. Okay. Well, you should have a link to join the group, so just click on the link and join the group. Um, yeah, brother. 
Also sir? for me, yes, sir. Also for me, brother. Uh, I don't have instant messenger on this phone, so I would have to find another means to uh, have get to that link. Or is it just a way that you can type it into the search engine, or is it just a private uh, secret group? It's not a secret group, but uh, how would you get to it? Let me see. Uh, it doesn't seem to have a name. It's just got a number. So that's why I couldn't, you know. I mean, I guess you could search for Fishers and Men Outreach Group or Fishers and Men Outreach Program. Um. And you you will see feeding the hungry the big sign on there says feeding the hungry. So, um, we need to be when we're out here uh, doing this work. Your memory is very important, and the more that something is you study it uh, sooner or later you will become what it is you study but and then it becomes second nature but um we we want to be able to keep this in mind so i'm going to just talk about phase 1 phase 2 very quickly of what we're doing here the first thing we're doing excuse me Oh, I apologize, brother. I just wanted to let you know that I'm having trouble trying to find the link or any message that you may have sent for us to join uh, Fishers and Men. Okay. Hold on one moment. Yes, sir. This uh, work here, man, is a lot of work. And every day I just realize, I realize more and more Negroes are destroyed at their own foolishness, their own folly. And it, it makes even more sense to me why there's just no place to be, um, Trying to play safe. All right. All right. There's no place to be trying to play safe. Because believe me, you can never meet these people's uh, needs, wants, and desires. And it's just you can't. <laughs> you know, we're not designed to. We're designed to be able to treat one another properly and be able to be civilized. So. Uh, the phase one of what we want to do with this is we want to get out to the community, find some locations of the stuff that's around us, and then build up um, some squads. Bro, Gentry, oh, okay, that's somebody else. Build up some squad units, you know, that are going to go out in the streets. We're going to collect uh, stuff from the, the rich and whoever's willing to give. Um, we're going to take that to the needy people. It doesn't matter who they are. Of course, we want to go to our own people uh, first and try to help them. But the, the 
the added advantage of this is that there are, you know, uh, Caucasoid homeless people out there, and they would make for good bond servants, um, you know, at some point for us, maybe even immediately. But the tide is turning, and seems like it's that time that we can go out there and. That's the whole point of this mission. I mean, you got to have something for them to do, which uh something that we've been trying to help the nation with. Um, but the point is, you know, um, we go out there, we help the people. Um, shalom, um, Minister. I have a question for you. Um, in getting in contact with uh, churches, uh, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way. Um, do we only just contact um, uh, African American churches or so-called African American churches, or do we just contact any church that we can that's willing to um, create some type of camaraderie with us? I mean, I think the overall goal is to have them, you know, have some type of camaraderie with us. But considering that we're, you know, fishing for them, um, and mainly I. Uh, Lost brothers and sisters, I just want to know if um, selective churches was something that um, we were going to pursue, or do we just pursue the churches? Period. White and black. Well, I'm I'm glad you asked that. Go ye not into the way of the Gentiles, but go ye rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So. Go to Negro churches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, but do you understand why I asked that question, though, Rope? Because yeah. I think here's my here's here's my philosophy on it. Because I I realize that what we are attempting to do, brother, is reconstruct a government that literally com you know encompassed a, a whole lot of different people and um you know it just never died it just it obviously transferred the power transferred but it never died and you know you know happen to be the people to revamp the theocracy from the you know from the inside out meaning you know the power structure you know, rested in the hands of the people that they transferred to, which are the Gentiles. And, you know, we being the original uh, heirs of the original government, that we're a small unit of people, you know, trying to uh, tap into these different uh, mentalities of people of different, you know, uh, tribes and quote-unquote ethnic groups and we know that they have now gone into these, you know, different churches and different um, consciousness. And I was just thinking to myself, if we're, you know, trying to resurrect this this government, I know that it's not just so much as our people, because I know that our people are the heirs. And then it's like, I think it's the same kind of concept that Paul was struggling with, because he knew that this was bigger than 
just uh, the Israelites, and I'm not saying that it is just bigger than the Israelites, because I know that we have a uh, we have a specific role in this all, but I know that there are some people out there uh, who are Caucasian who are also looking for someone to take this power that was given to these corrupt Gentiles and actually make sense of it all. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Is I know you know what I'm saying, and I know you see it. So that's why I ask, because I, you know, I see that it's a hunger from both, quote-unquote, black and white people, but if we are following the design, then I'm going to make sure I follow it. And then we do, you know, we expand ourselves where we need, where we need to be, and I yield. Yes, sir. I understand. Go ye not into the ways of the Gentile. Yes, sir. This is what I'm saying. As we do the work, first of all, then in captivity, Caucasians are not in captivity. We are. Yes. But as as we do the work, naturally they're going to be around. Naturally they're going to be reaching out to us. Naturally they're going to want some help and some answers. No different. You know, the the lady that went up to to Yeshua and was like, you know, my Lord, my Lord, you know, help me. And she just touched the hem of his garment. Same kind of concept. And he healed her. He healed her because of her faith, because of her heart, you know, because of her belief. You believe I can do this? You got that much faith in me that you just can? You think you can just touch me and be healed? You know, I don't. I, I'm paraphrasing because he didn't say this to her, but right. He kind of said, "Well, I haven't even seen this kind of, you know, faith in Israelites." But you know, so yeah, I mean, naturally they're going to be around. That's what I'm saying. Some yeah. of them may be our own people. They just might look like. You know, like like Canelo Alvarez, the boxer. Mm. <laughs> he's Caucasian, but he's Mexican. You know, so some of it might be like that. And um, of course, we're going to help them. Um, it don't matter if they want us or not. We 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 have a mission to do. We just want to go to the areas where most of our people are, and go directly to our people. Now, of course, a lot of Negroes are not going to even receive it. You know, because this is the way the Negro. But yeah, that's how it works. So, um, please. Um, oh, okay. Let me see. Okay, I see. So please, um, go there on the Facebook and. Accept the request. So, before we, uh, I, I really need to cover this one very important factor. Like, we're going to be bringing the people in that are going to help us first. They're going to help us go to the streets and, and deliver. Out of those people, some people are going to follow us. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. They're going to come follow what we represent, which is what 
Yeshua was representing. You know, so they're going to come join us is a better way to say it than follow us. Forgive me how I said that. They're going to come join us in the work. So um, naturally, with them joining us, some people are going to want to join us. So once we get to that part where the people are joining us, then we want to build up squads. Now, if we we want anywhere from four to um, 12 people, anywhere from four to 12 people, if you get anywhere from four to 12 people, if we get at least four, we can, now we got official members. If we can get them to become official members, now we got from there that particular squad with with just fishes and men, it would get to a total of twelve. So let's say if you if you um get fifty people, now you're gonna have a separate unit of that squad. You know, so there'll be separate areas. So the first unit, 4 to 12, second unit, 4 to 12, so on and so forth. It's always best, remember, it's always best to not go in your immediate neighborhood. Never go in your immediate neighborhood to do the work. You want to go somewhere else that you're not seen frequently, people don't know you in their hood, the prophet is now welcome in his own hometown. It's the same idea. And it puts you in danger if you are in your hood. You know, it'll put you in danger. People know what you got in your house, you know, particularly when you're around niggas. And you know if they see you bring something in the house or something like that, you know they'll be plotting on you. So... Keep that in mind. Luckily, I don't live around a lot of Negroes, but, um, you know, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. (laughs) 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 You know, the crime rate is higher. Your life is in danger the more Negroes you live around. So just keeping it real. So um, that's the foundation of it. So once we get that, that's phase one. We want to bring in people to help us do the work. We want to bring in people to help us do the work that are going to join on and join into the temple and to the nation. Now, once we get enough people that have joined in the temple and to the nation, then we'll be able to go out with phase two. As we continue that same work, we have, we have the live study groups in your area um, be meeting weekly and doing the work. And from there, we can officially establish um, building a physical location. So just remember this. When we're going out there, we're we're there to help. But what we're also doing is we're saying, hey, if you know anybody with any home problems, foreclosure problems, you know, let us know. Um, if you got some, let us know. Maybe we can help. If you got, if you're employed and you don't have any benefits, your job doesn't provide benefits. Let us know. We can help. Um, then from there, 
you got the, um, you know, homeless shelters, food banks, so on and so forth. So be mindful. Look up homeless shelters in your area, food banks in your area, drug rehabilitation programs in your area. Um, Shalom, brother. I'll, I'm going to say this. Um, here in Savannah, right, <laughs> I, um, I, I've uh, volunteered at a homeless shelter because I actually, uh, I remember uh, growing up, uh, there was a homeless shelter like maybe a block away from my home. And I remember volunteer. I volunteered at that homeless shelter probably maybe five times in my entire life. But what I will notice is um, the uh, the treatment of the people um, that uh, the, the the treatment that the people receive in the homeless shelter. I've seen people in some instances get treated pretty badly in the homeless shelter and have people talk, you know, all kind of ways. Now, granted, a home, you know, the people are um, not like the hospital where you know they have to bite their tongues and things like that, you know, of course, it's a homeless shelter, so, you know, you're dealing with uh, people who don't, who feel like they don't have to uh, embrace you, you know, they have to just kind of, quote, unquote, provide you with a place to stay, but um, I'm just bringing this up because it's kind of like I don't want to, you know, uh, have to you know, see a brother on the street who doesn't have any place to go and then reference it to one of these places where he, you know, going to get treated bad. You know, it's something I kind of think about. And that was one of the things I struggled with last night. I mean, I'm bringing this up because, like, it's literally on my mind last night, which is why I said I was going to, um, who's calling me now? I don't even know these people. Um, It was literally on my mind last night, and I kept thinking about, all of the stuff that we're talking about now and what we talked about last week and how this is going to play out, um, I guess I'm thinking too far ahead, you know, and I try not to do that. I I really try not to do it, you know, but, I mean, I see it every day uh, in terms of, you know, um, how we treat each other. And I guess this is across the board. You know, we all see how we treat each other across the board. But as, like I've been in the home, I've been in you know uh, certain homeless shelters. I mean, I never lived in one, but I've you know volunteered at one and then you know kind of checked out several, and I've seen the way some get treated. So I'm just kind of like a little apprehensive about it. But I know we have to do what we have to do um, in terms of referencing these people to certain different uh, outlets of help, you know. And I just want to you know, say that if we are, you know, camaraderie with these people and the people that we're trying to help, you know, require our, I guess you can say, uh, uh, best uh, or uh, some type of surety that, you know, we're pointing them in the right direction where they won't be mistreated and things like that, you know, I don't know. I just kind of I think about that, but I'm not gonna. It's not gonna stop me from doing what I need to do. I'm just gonna do what I need to do. But I guess I'm saying this because I care, you know, because I won't want anybody to treat me all kind of ways. 
So I guess I'm just thinking, I'm speaking out loud because I care. And I've always just kind of been like that, but, you know, it's just something I'm thinking about. Um, But it's not going to stop me from what I'm doing. And I yell, brother. Well, yes, sir. I mean, of course, um, you definitely want to check it out. That puts me in the mind of something that that Robert would bring up because he's always, like, he thinks like that, whereas I don't think like that. And it's like, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because it's like, that's why we need each other. That's why we're here as a team because, you know, we all add our, you know, thing to what we're doing. And that's what it's about. So that's the goal. So just, just look at this. Look, look, if we, we want a maximum, we want a maximum of 70 people, each city and state that are working on this program. Or what would be, I think it would be, if it's 12, 12 times, uh, I think it's 72. Is it 72? Well, I think it might be 72, a maximum. Of the people working on the program that are in the actual, their actual members. So we don't want to send out any more than that. I guess it would be 72, any more than so if you if you grow to um, let's say 300 people in your area, you only want to, you only want a maximum of 72 out at any any given time. But that are actual actual members working on the program. Okay, so um, one of the things we want to do when we're out there for specific people, you know. Um, we want to eventually get people to come to the study group. Then once we get, once we start, we get people that come and sit in. You're going to have people that have come and sit in for a while, just trying to learn this, 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 and this. And, you know, they don't want to join. You, you always get those people. Some people that are, they do want to join, but they just want to make sure that they understand. Kind of like how you were when you were trying to, when you were looking at the nation. You know, like, let me check this out. So you get those types of people, you know, um, when you are when you're there, and that's important to keep in mind. So that's the short term goal. The more people we help, the more people that we uh, get out there and actually actually see us doing the work the more the people's minds are going to open. And um, then what we're doing is we're going to be able to build um, a ready-made audience. So once we actually come to the city uh, and do other things like uh, business networking or whatever, we'll we'll already have ready-made audiences so that it's not so difficult for us to try to draw people in when we to to an event when we get there. Uh, anybody got any questions so far? Shalom, uh, phone on the record. This is Aquan, uh, brother. I do not have a link to the uh, Fishers and Men site. 
Um, you are on Facebook. You're West. West. Uh, hold on. Is it? Did you, did you check the uh, messenger? Yeah, I don't have anything in messenger. West Stara. Stara. Right. <laughs> How do you say it? Forgive me. I see it when I... Okay, I'm going to send it again. Hold on. Brother Priest? Sir? Yes, sir. Just one quick uh, point of information. Um, if you go into... This is how I found it. If you go into the King Keys to the Kingdom, uh, the group, and you scroll down a little bit, uh, I think you had posted something that said, Fishers of Men Outreach made Fishers of Men Outreach uh, at Men. If you click on that link, it should lead you to the group. I did not know that, brother. <laughs> I guess I was able to find it. Okay. I did not know that. Had I known that, it would not be in there. <laughs> but I did not know that. So, um, do you see it, brother Lynn? Yes, sir. I'm there. Ta-da. Okay, great, great. Okay, so, oh, okay, one person, uh, Mr. Star. Okay. So that's the goal. Now, we got to talk about the message. Like, resurrecting the dead. Resurrecting the dead, you have to call the you have to call a man by his name. You have to call people by their name. That's the secret. So when you hear when you read the scriptures, you you might hear like street Hebrews talking about, yeah, they conspired to take our name. You know, all the these people try they took our name, Psalm eighty two or whatever. I think it's Psalm eighty two or eighty six. One. Hey, they conspired to take our name. Okay, well, not really. They it's just part of government and law. But after a while, the people forget who they are because they blend into a culture, and you have to call them by their name to 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 complete the resurrection of them. So, one of the things I want to say, actually, let me grab these scriptures. Um, I'm going to go on. What is that thing? Free screen sharing in just a moment. Uh, shoot, I forgot what I was looking for. You got to call them by their name. Oh, man. You going to look up some scriptures? You said you were going to look up some scriptures? Yeah, but I don't remember what it was about. Good grief. I got too much work going on here. And my, my mother-in-law situation is really, really heavy. It's crazy. Uh, what was I going to say? Okay, you call people by name. I was trying to look up a scripture. What was the scripture? Okay, let me just come back to it. Um, so, oh, I know.
Um, we are at a time. Well, if any of you have the scriptures, let's go to Jude. Uh, Jude, well, Jude is only one book, so I'm going to go Jude, and I'm going to go, I'm going to do verse 5, maybe. So, if you have it, um, just pay careful attention, because i got to explain about how we deliver this message and how we use the resurrection tool properly okay because it's you got to be very very um attentive you have to be very attentive jude chapter well jude uh verse five no verse four for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first thing I want to point out, these are Pharisees of all walks of life. They're Hebrew Pharisees. But at this particular time, they've crept up into the faith, which that's why they would be classified as Pharisees. And they're, these guys are getting ordained by one another. But they're really ungodly. They haven't cleaned out their heart, their behavior. See, we we got to clean up the behavior for our people who have been lost worshiping idol. First, we had to call the the nobles, those who had somewhat of a conscious mind. Signs and symbols for a conscious mind wakes up the conscious soul. So this is why you're here. This is why you heard it. Because you were already aware of stuff that people around you weren't aware of. So you heard it. Just like I heard it. And I said, wait a minute, there's something over there. I'm going over there. I got to, whatever's there, I'm going to get it. That's what happened to me. Okay. But then there are those who come, even in that, who are not right, who are really ungodly, meaning they're just really wicked. Underneath all of that, dressing themselves up as being holier than thou. Some of us that were in civil diplomacy, we saw it act out. We saw it. We saw that we're the last men standing. Tyler's gone. Tony's gone. Tobias's gone. Elias is gone. Bartholomew's gone. Nathaniel's gone. Now, I don't consider Nathaniel to have been ungodly. I don't, but, you know, he wrestled with a lot of different things and, you know. Nonetheless, let me continue. Verse 5, I will therefore put you... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Verse 4, for there are certain men crept 
in a, unawares, these people that are, just totally don't get any clue, who were before old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God. These are details that we can't miss. Into mischievousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the killer. Now, he's clearly he's clearly making a distinction between Yeshua and the real Most High. Does anybody not see that? It's written in black and white. Yes, it is. He so keep keep in mind he knows. Now let me show you what he knows, and this is really critical. It's verse five. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now, I'm telling you, you you can't understand this. The real truth is what I really want to share here. Tetragrammaton is a language. It's not four letters. It's oral law. And what that has to do with what I'm about to show you I'm telling you, you can't understand these scriptures unless you know that you're going to get people, oh, the tetragrammaton, you say it like this. This is supposed to be the four letters. That's supposed to be the name of the Lord. Well, there's a reason why you're not supposed to say it. Because there's a science behind it. And what I'm about to share is the science of resurrection that takes time. Listen to this verse again. I'm telling you, you will not see this. I will therefore put you in remembrance. So keep in mind, Paul is going to remind them of what the real truth is. Though ye once knew this, so like our people, we once knew this, but then something happened. How that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You can't see what this is talking about. I'm telling you, if you don't know this tool, this real language, what happened to Egypt? What happened to Egypt? While we were there, let me check. Let's see if the brother's on the line. Okay. 
He's no longer on the. Oh, are you there, brother? Well, EK, what happened in Egypt when we were there? We was in bond servitude, and then once we left, once we made our exodus, the famine, uh, the plague broke out in Egypt. Well, okay, what happened that made us come out of Egypt? What was going on that gave us the opportunity to come out? Um... I'm drawing the blank. Okay. Um, Lynn, do you recall what happened that made it that was making us come out? Well, yes. Um, so Moses petitioned uh, Pharaoh to uh, allow the children of Israel to leave so that they can go and serve the Lord. And um, Pharaoh refused. And um, as a result, there were a number of different plagues that um, were sent against Egypt to, you know, as a consequence for him not uh, releasing the children of Israel. Yes, that's it. Now, you got to hear this. What was it that freed us? Moses says, let the people go. They don't want to let the people go. Then all of a sudden, all of these plagues start hitting Egypt. So what are the plagues that hit Egypt that freed us? What are the plagues that killed them after we left? That is the Lord. That is nature coming to our aid. Now, let me sh let's read it again. You see that he clearly knows this. And if you can see that he clearly knows this, he also knows that these other people don't know it. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Thou ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Afterward, destroy them that believe not. This is nature kicking in. Do you see this, Brother Robert, how I'm explaining? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, you know, I look at it from the standpoint, like, you know, you're talking about Moses went to go ahead and petition Pharaoh. So basically, uh, as a result of his refusal to do so, uh, natural law kicked in. And natural law kicked in in the way of, uh, you know, in different capacities, in different ways. That's right. That's right. And I think it, sir. Brother Lynn, so... I'm I'm asking this question because you know I, I think I need it broken down a little more, um, you know, granularly because I know um, one of the first things that we learn when coming into this nation is that um, the scriptures are written in a creative language, 
and you have to have certain keys to be able to really discern when something is to be taken literally versus when something is is symbolic of of, of another um, matter at work. So my my question is, you know, I know what's written in uh, Exodus with respect to, um, you know, the pestilence and, um, you know, and frogs and locusts and and all of those things. But on a, in a general level, on a general level, I've, since reading that, like when I first came into the nation and just taking in a lot of the other things, you know, government law and commerce, government law and commerce, government law and commerce, what I see as a general principle that loosened Pharaoh's hand was that these are economic events. In other words, these events um, had a very negative effect on Egypt's economy. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, am I right? Am I on the right path in saying that? Or is this, you know, is, is that like far-fetched? No, it's not. But it's also as above, so below. So what you're saying is right and exact. You just got to think broader because, yes, it had an effect on the economy, but Remember, it's like this. Now, this is kind of spooky sounding, but you put the thought out there, it's going to manifest. And nature takes it and does what is necessary to bring it into fruition. So if Pharaoh's heart is not hard, then there's no reason for nature to step in. So, yeah, your economy is going to fail and all of that, but the initiation was Moses. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Bam. All oh, this is the aftermath. You don't want to do it on your own cognition. Now you're going to cause the universe to have to respond. And that's what happened. And the real point I'm trying to make here out of all of this is that this is the mind that they were in. This is the mind that Yeshua was in. This is the mind that he was teaching them, and this is the mind that Paul developed, and he never met him, but he got it from the disciples who taught him. He taught, they taught him the proper way to think that goes all the way back to the beginning. That's the point I want to stick there. Does that make sense, brother? Yes, sir. Ta-da. So, um, so what you're saying is, so what the, the whole saying, because there, there's a maxim of law, and I may have mentioned it several times, there's a maxim of law in the Black Law Dictionary that states that when the laws of man or the laws of the state fail, then uh, the nature, then the laws of nature uh, takes its place. And I guess you can kind of see the whole concept being played out because, as you just said, and, and as Minister Lynn just said, you had Moses uh, going to Pharaoh with a petition. So now you have us using the law of the state. And then the last resort was the forces of nature or the laws of nature coming 
to aid where the law of the state couldn't aid. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Because that's basically what you kind of said, and it touches on that maxim, which I kind of didn't really understand wholeheartedly until we just had this conversation. How you brother? Yes. But it's twofold. Those that didn't believe got killed. The solution to our enslavement was go start your own nation and live under the laws of the Most High. That is always going to be the solution because there's always going to be the same punishment for a nation. And also, brother, just a quick question. I'm sorry, brother. My apologies. Go ahead. Also, just to add to that, would that also be uh, a situation where, as, uh, you know, with Moses petitioning, uh, you know, the Pharaoh and things of that particular capacity, it just got into a situation where parties were, uh, you know, ridding themselves of that particular citizenship of that uh, country. Would that be safe to say they kind of expatriated? They were definitely trying to do that, for sure. Definitely. Because it's all a part of it. And changing status, no longer a taxpayer, what is that going to do to your economy? And then what is that going to do? It's going to anger you because you, you still, they're still on your land, but now they ain't paying the debts for you. You're going to get angry, and then you're going to be like, you know what, I'm not going to let them go. And then nature is going to come down to the rescue. But it's for two, it's for two reasons. One is to, because the same thing is happening in this modern-day Egypt over here. One is Negroes keep getting slaughtered killed to to wake you the hell up and say get the hell away from these people go govern yourself that's your warning that's our warning as well as pharaoh's warning so it's twofold but nature's taking place and um the, the point i wanted to make is understand we are leaving the thing ain't never changed man it's the same all of the time but it, I wanted to make sh- I wanted to establish this in our mind. You never hear me go out and say in the public. You never hear me go out and say Yahuwah. You don't see me say Yahawashai. None of that stuff. And you probably won't even notice that I don't, because I've been trained by these ancient ones who told us why we're not supposed to go out there giving a name or pronouncing the name that's supposed to be representing the most high because it's not a name. There's only attributes. There's only attributes. There are not names. These are attributes. Shalom. Sir. Brother, we notice. <laughs> I, I, I want you to know we notice, you know, what, what we see um, you know, within the nation, I mean, since from day one, with how you conducted yourself and how you engage the public, how you, how you deal with us, you know, even behind the scenes, that really, and I, I think I can speak for everybody on, on on the call, 
that really is the measuring stick by which we go out and we weigh what we interact or what we encounter, um, you know, outside of, um, you know, outside of the, uh, the, the temple. So it, it's noticeable, brother. It's very noticeable. I yield. Okay. I stand corrected. But yeah, I know that. Sir. And I, I, I want to piggyback off of what he said. Um, another thing is that most individuals are at an emotional estate. And most, most of us, that uh that comes in a tribe, I know speaking of myself, we come in an emotional state, damaged, very damaged. And this is where the condition of our people are in. You know, with along with the 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 uh ego, um we are very damaged and we don't understand um that we can't be um so emotional within um law. And I yield. Man, that was very well put, brother. Very well put. And I I just know what has happened is there are different translations, different um, pronunciations. Now, of course, we all are going to, you know, cling to whatever. It's like, whatever. But when you go out trying to push a name of the Most High Almighty and tell people to that this is the name, what comes after that is you start to use it in vain. So it's been forbidden. You got to understand this. It's, it's been forbidden the translation of these four letters. Because it's a language, it's the science of the language. The create the the, the tetragrammaton is the language that I'm talking about. It is the creative language that is written in. I just don't go out there and say that because I know saying that is going to cause people to debate. Look, you you ever notice most of these Hebrews don't mention Maseroth, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You go online, because I did this recently, and I started looking for Mazarov on YouTube. I can't find anything, well, I wasn't able to find anything before 2012. Now, I'm out here talking about Mazarov before 2012. Since that time, I I stopped talking about it because I saw what it did to Tyler, and I, I ain't never said this before. I ain't even tell him this, so this is not a knock on him. What it did to Tyler is he was so so cra- he was craving it. He was lusting after knowing Mazarov. So I had to say, okay, well, here's the information that you can deal with. Then he felt like he knew it automatically he felt like he knew it. Not knowing just the little bit of stuff I said to him. And I yeah, I better shut my mouth on this. Then Yehoshua, one of these uh Hebrews from um well 
I think he's in Atlanta now. I don't know, but he's one of the guys that thought he was Jesus or Yeshua. He really that's I believe that's why he named himself Yehoshua. And he was like somebody I met when we started blogging and doing blog talk. And he was cool, you know. Um he came on blog talk a couple of times with me. And he's cool, he's, you know, but I knew that he thought that he's the savior and the Messiah. I knew that the whole time. So he heard me, he had heard me talking on Mazarov on blog talk. So he calls in and starts trying to teach. Yeah, this is what this means. This is, you know, if you look up this word, it means astrology in, in the Hebrew language. I'm like, man, this is it. I'm done. Now, what, why I'm bringing this, bringing this up is because the same thing happened when niggas get information that they haven't heard before, and then they hear you teach on it, and then they're going to try and take it and then juice it, right? So that's one of the reasons I stopped talking about documents in the public, because now these Israelite groups, look at what they're doing with that. They're making mischief. They couldn't get it from us, so what do they do? They try to run it in the moors. What do the moors do? Just beat the hell up on them and, and, and pimp them out for the documents. I stopped talking about it once. The point is, when I saw what I was saying was causing more problems, I stopped talking about it. So, again, that's why we don't need to go out here and mention what the tetragrammaton is. It's a language. It's the creative language the scriptures are written in to be able to determine the the, the idolater from the true sacred secret. Now, let's look at it. The idolater is going to take those four letters, is going to pronounce it, and then say, hey, this is the real pronunciation. And if you don't pronounce it like this, then, you know, it's all in vain. And then from there, what do they do? They build religions. That's why certain things you cannot say. This is part of the oral law. Let me go back to these scriptures and finish this part up because I got one more thing I got to get through. And I don't have a lot of time because I got a class out after this. Okay, so what I'm trying to establish is that that Paul knows, all the disciples know, that the whole thing is about nat nature and natural law. They know this. Just like how we can talk about it, if you say that to the public like that, it's nature and natural law that we're dealing with, you got to be really crafty how you say it because their mind is going to snap out of, out of idol God worship and get angry, and they're going to try to plot against you. So you have to use higher language, creative language, which people would call metaphysics today. So that's the whole thing behind these four letters. That's the whole thing behind the tetragrammaton is that it is metaphysics itself and it is ancient. Okay, so nature's kicking in. Um, let me go to verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah 
and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So who is this Lord that he's talking about? He's talking about nature, and you can clearly see that he knows that this nature is intelligent. This is the Most High Almighty that carries out the will, the punishment, is speaking to you through natural disasters and social life circumstances. This is a real God. This is not a fictitious God. Anyway, verse 8, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. This is as real as it gets. I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. Now, you know you can't talk to these Hebrew Israelites on the streets like this. If you tell them, if you talk about paperwork, oh, that's the white man stuff, they don't know what the hell they're talking about, but they, their superior knowledge reads on as follows. But what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. What way did they go in of of Cain? Not Esau. Cain. Cain. Our own people want to kill their own brothers with false doctrines. This is what he's saying. With false doctrines and mischief making. But it's truth. They all made up these damn gods that are not real. They give names and faces to these gods so that they can use them in vain for vain purposes. It reads on. Well, let me jump down to verse 12. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about winds, Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, <laughs> foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's death. Uh, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of this, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So that means there's going to be 10,000 purified souls to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches. Who is that? <laughs> Which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, murmurers, complainers, 
walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. These are Pharisees. Resume, but beloved, remember, ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. He ain't thinking of this man that they call Jesus in the same way people think of him today. They did not think like how these people think. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on most holy faith, your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, meaning harmonize with nature. Don't break natural law. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Now, that's a whole other thing. I won't go into that today, but Lynn, do you see what I'm trying to say here? Do you see it? Yes, sir. Um, it is it's, <laughs> it is like these scriptures were written yesterday, and they are speaking, um, you know, d- directly to us at this point in time. Um, you know, because those 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 consciousness, those different types of consciousness have never left. So. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Never would have saw it um, without you pointing it out. But um, I've read some of Paul, and um, <laughs> there's a, a particular passage. I, I want to say it's in um, maybe. I know it spans a it spans a book, so it goes from like um oh man, I can't remember exactly where it is, but the thing is is that if 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 you read the, I have to find it, but if you read um that particular passage of scripture, it is completely in line with this if you're in an improper mind state, you would swear that he is talking about um a god, an a, a idol god. But the verbiage, and again, I, I never would have saw it, um, you know, prior to, you know, being granted some keys, you know, by being a part of this body. But he is clearly um, speaking about uh, natural law, and he's clearly speaking about the, the um, not uh the Christ as far as him being a God or him being a man, but he's speaking about the consciousness that he was in. And that is what, um, you know, we're, we're supposed to, um, ascribe to. So, um, makes a lot of sense, brother. I yield. Thank you, sir. So science of resurrection, you have to call them by their, by their name. But you have to remember what state of mind they are in 
And you have to remember that there are Pharisees out there that are always going to be trying to pull people back into idol God worship. So you must be very, very cunning, very wise, how you choose your words, how you think. You don't teach them yet. Don't go out here and teach the people yet. But you have to know how to speak to them to place a seed in their mind to get them to reason with themselves. Once their reasoning activates, then if they really want to pursue it, you're going to know because they're going to ask you questions and they're going to want to sit down and talk with you. We got to bring them in. Last point, when you call them by their name, who are these? We're going for the lost sheep. That's who we're here to talk to. We're here to resurrect them. We'll help anybody, but it ain't anybody that's in slavery. You know, they got their different types of whatever they deal with, whatever. I don't really care personally. Let them deal with what they think. We can help anybody, but we have to maintain our um, solidarity. But we're here for these lost sheep. So they are the lost sheep. They are the children of Israel. And what has happened is that these Pharisees who, cool, you did your job, Pharisees. But now you've gone overboard. So I see what the scriptures say. So I'm going to read this. Titus chapter 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish questions. So automatically you should know what's going on here. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable in vain. So here's the thing that I want to make clear. We don't want to go out preaching in the name of the 12 tribes chart. We don't want to go out with that as the forefront. That didn't originate with them no more than it originated with us because once I start researching it and I start finding out where it really came from, it, it doesn't belong to anybody, but I see what the problem is. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. So we know who these people are. We can pinpoint these different tribes by their characteristics and their and where they're placed at on the earth. We just don't want to go out in the front in the public and be preaching the twelve tribes chart, which really personally I respect those brothers that brought that out, but we just don't want to go in the public with that in the forefront. 
once we get people in, we can talk about it, teach about it, but which we have to know, but avoid foolish questions and, and genealogies. All right, so they got one more thing to go over. I'm going to go on to um, free screen sharing. If you cannot use free screen sharing, don't worry about it. When we talk to them, we're here to look for the lost sheep, the children of Israel. And in in order to do that, they're going to come from various walks of life. You got to be able to size them up psychologically. All right, so... Let me see here. Anybody not know how to get onto this thing? Where is it at? Okay, there it is. Free screen sharing? Yeah. Team viewer. Not team viewer, no. One moment. Okay. You haven't been on the free screen sharing, brother, Cedric? This will be the first time I've ever been on it. Are you sure? With all the reasoning that we have here tonight, brother, I'm very sure. FreeScreenSharing.com. I just typed it in for the very first time that I've been in the nation. <laughs> it, and it has get a new account because I've never had one. Yep, never been on this site at all. I've been using it on. I've uh, I've used it on the fellowship line, and I thought you were on it then. Oh, I was always on the uh, talk show. Okay, well, I'm just going to forget it. I'm not going to go in there. I'm just going to, if you can log on, log on, but um, I'm just going to go over this. So I got it written down. What you got to remember is that these scriptures are written in a particular language, and here's why. Because what we discovered is there's a psychology of the living soul, okay? There's a set psychology. And this is part of what some of these ancient secrets are. Hopefully I can show you this with these words, put you in the mind state of what the original inhabitants, what they discovered. When we come to the earth, we're born. Eventually we always seek to these particular questions. We seek to understand who am I, how did I get here, why am I here, who created me. Now, we all go through this. When the original inhabitants recognized that, when we understood that, 
We also understood the plight of that because the problem here is no matter what you do in your life, no matter what nationality you are born of or whatever, you're going to feel some type of something's missing in you until you can get some answers to some of these things. So what happens is you strive to figure these questions out. And basically everything you do, basically everything you do with your life is about these questions. If if it's manhood, okay, you know, why am I here? How do I get here? How, who created me? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to conduct myself? So then what we do is we try to learn any way we can, TV, radio, music, movies, the streets. We try to learn answering. We try to answer those questions through these types of outward vices. Does that make sense, Brother E.K.? It does. It does. Okay. So there's this longing inside of us that needs and wants and desires these questions to be asked. So we go to different religions looking for it. We go everywhere looking for it. Then you might pick up bits and pieces here and there. You might be listening to Gucci Mane and he say something really like profound. Now, I can't imagine that happening, but it could happen. <laughs> I don't even know his music. So now I'm thinking of Meek Mill. That's what I'm thinking of. Because they kind of look alike, Gucci Mane and Meek Mill to me. But anyway, you, I, don't know, I don't know his music. But we all know we turn on something and then we hear something and it sparks something. Everywhere, that, everything that we're doing in life, we're trying to answer these questions. Once we understood that from the beginning, then we understood that there was a psychology that goes along with this tree of life. There's a psychology that needs these questions addressed and answered. Okay? So, with that in mind, you got to understand key points. Um. Originally, the original inhabitants from Adam all the way to Noah, excuse me, from Adam all the way to Abraham, there was no identifying marker for so-called religion. What we knew of of ourselves is that Adam through Abraham, they were the sons of God the sons, plural, of God. And this is important to remember. So when Abraham gets on the scene and he starts traveling, it was the Canaanites that first called us Hebrews. So they were giving this name onto us, describing what we were doing. So I have this chart from Abraham to Saul, which would have been, Saul would have been the first uh, king of Israel. 
David would have been the second. So from Abraham to Saul, which is about a thousand years, we were known strictly as Hebrews. From David to the time of Yeshua, we were known as Jews. After Yeshua, we were known as Christians. But you got to understand, follow, I'm going to explain how this happened, but you got to follow this thinking. We were the sons of God, then people called us Hebrews, then people called us Jews, and then we got classified as Christians. But no matter what we were keeping up as our culture, we never changed that. It was what people were saying about us. We never changed it. That's important. Now, one of the ancient secrets. The word that is used for the actual name is not YHWH and never has been. And I'm going to explain to you why. YHWH means Lord, first of all. So there's Lord and then there's God. So the Lord God, these are two different things that are the, that are representing the same thing, description of the same thing. Nature and natural law. Natural law and nature. All right. So the actual first identifying marker, even in the scriptures, which you don't really get through the translation, is what we would say today as Elohim, but it's really not Elohim. Now, I'm going to say what there's a difference. When you pronounce it in the plural version, it's Elohim in today's language, modern language. That's plural. When you pronounce it in the singular version, it would be more like I I know what this is going to sound like, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Allah. Okay, so that's that's actually the original identifier marker, but they never use it. Mm -hmm. It's Elohim, right? Why? Because what it's talking about are the gods, the sons of God. So the plural form is the, it means sons of God. That's exactly what it means. Now you can't run out here and try to explain that to any deep detail because trust it, there's going to be a bunch of foolish questions. Oh man! Because if if you go out here and you're a Hebrew or you're a Christian and you start talking about Allah, 
you got a problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Allahim. Allahim. Okay. Allahim are gods or the the plural possessive gods, meaning the possessions of God. It means the sons of God. <laughs> Elohim are the sons of God. So the first thing you got to understand about this is that if you use the word Elohim, I'm using it in the modern term, it will be like Allahim, okay, in other pronunciations. You take off the, the suffix and you get Allah, right? Okay, now watch. We never use the term Allah, meaning power, the almighty, the most high. That's what it means, right? That's what it means by definition, even to us. Now, other people, they don't, they don't mean that to them because, like, they say Allah in Arabic. But, okay, so the sons of God from Adam to Abraham, would have identified themselves as the sons of God from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Would have identified themselves as the sons of God from Jacob, Israel, to all his 12 sons that took on nations or tribal nations. David being one of them. So now the other thing is you got to understand if they're the sons of God, then they're God's bloodline. They're the direct bloodline that came from the cosmos and from the earth and were born that way from the thoughts of the Most High, the first beings to walk the earth. So all the stories about us are written by the cultures and they call us gods. They call us angels. But we're sons of God, sons of the Almighty, the Most High. If we're identifying Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we're identifying as ourselves as the sons of God. Canaanites and other people outside of us start calling us Hebrews. We accept it. Cool. Then they start, once, once David gets on the scene, now the tribe of Judah are the rulers. So now everybody, all the 12 tribes are known as Jews. But we, who do, what do we know ourselves of as? The sons of God. So, Christ means anointed, and it represents the king of a nation. It does not represent what the hell these people think. They worship idol gods. They don't, and, and, and it hurts to deliver this. No, I'm delivering this to us, and I hope it is not hurting anybody. Hopefully by now it shouldn't hurt but it's still a shocker when you hear it explained like this or somewhat of a shocker. 
but let me just keep going. So the king of a nation or the king of Israel would have been a Christ. Every single king would be a Christ. So if every single king is a Christ, naturally, if everybody in the nation are the sons of God, naturally, what do you think Yeshua knew about himself? That he was one of the sons of God. Now, if you tell somebody that I'm the son of God, they don't look at it like you're the actual bloodline from the original inhabitant. They look at it like you're trying to make yourself into a, a deity, which is not what you're doing. When we were referring to ourselves as the sons of God, we're saying we're the original, we're aboriginals. That's what we're saying. That's the modern day term, I could say. Aboriginals. And why am I saying that? Because we're the original fathers of the earth. We're the original inhabitants of the earth who came out of the mind of the Most High and were the first people to be civilized. And that was what was being preserved through our entire bloodline. And this is the keys to what you had to pass on to your firstborn son or your most qualified son with the right state of mind that can handle it. This is what was being passed on. So when they were calling us Hebrews and they were calling us Jews, we knew we were the sons of God. So if you can see naturally people would convert that if they don't understand that to saying, well, if you ask what's your nationality, I don't need no nationality. I'm a God. Okay. Which means you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you might indirectly know that you might be actual the bloodline that came down here first and was civilized from the mind of the most high, but you, you think that that makes you a deity. Okay. So we got once we got to the time of um, Jerusalem and all of that. Now, at that time, we're under Christian. We're under Roman. So how Christianity started, 300 BC. It started with Serapis Christus. 300 years before the Yeshua was even born. So this started in Egypt by the, the Greek general Sotar, well, Ptolemy I, Ptolemy I, Sotar, Sotar Ptolemy. It started with him. He was taking all of the things from ancient Egypt, once, once the Greeks started ruling, well, they ancient Kemet, once the Greeks took over Kemet and they named it Egypt, Alexander named it Egypt. He understood something that only the kings, the pharaohs understood the psychology of life, the psychology of the flesh and blood living soul. They asked these questions to themselves. Now, here's the, the, the dastardly deed here. The spirit of Cain is the, spirit of, is the seed of Satan is the same spirit that is Lucifer. 
So this is why they compare Lucifer to Satan and Satan to the devil. They all work together. So what was going on with Lucifer? Lucifer wanted to be like God and be worshipped. What happened in Egypt? Kemet. They started calling themselves God, gods and goddesses, which is separate from the understanding. Because remember, they come from Ham, so they probably knew this culture, but they obviously went a different direction. So the Kim, the Kemites, Hamites, Egyptian pharaohs that started turning themselves into gods and goddesses, deities, passed that on. They understood the psychology that if I take this understanding of this psychology from this tree of life, if I take this and I give it to these people, I address this in them. See, it's already written in them. They're going to ask these questions. It's already written in their nature. But I can do something that can make me their object of worship, what they long for. I can do something to intercede, well, intercept that relationship between them and the truth of the Most High Almighty in nature and natural law. I can, I can step in there and make myself that. That is the mind that was in Lucifer and Cain. Okay, now, the rulers knew this. So when Ptolemy ends up ruling, Alexander knew it before him, who was his general, but I don't believe, I can't verify this yet, but I don't believe Alexander knew it to the depth of what his generals knew because they went in there and started messing around. He, Ptolemy went directly to these comedic scientists, so to speak. So he understood this psychology. So he says, okay, I'm going to, this is what you all were doing. This is why you were doing this is why you made a sardine set in Heru. And yeah, this is why we did it. Okay, well, I'm going to be Serapis Christus. So the first thing is Serapis Christus, God comes up in Egypt by the Greeks. They teach it to their offspring, the Egypt, the Hamites and the Javanites, the Greeks and the, the Egyptians teach it to their offspring, the Romans. So when the Romans are ruling Jerusalem, their national religion is this Greco Egyptian Greco-Roman mythology. Okay, so they understand that that same Serapis Christus image is the key to ruling over these people. So they take the same Serapis Christus when Yeshua was on the scene and they're trying to use Serapis Christus to combat Yeshua and what he's talking about to keep the control over the people because if you take the control of that God away from them, then what's going to happen commercially, 
a collapse is going to happen. It's going to happen. Hold on, Toy. Just give me two more minutes. Okay? Okay, last point I want to say about this. So the Romans had us on their land, and they, after Yeshua was gone, they blamed Christianity. Oh, he founded Christianity. Really, it was Serapis Christus. It was Ptolemy I, and now they tell the world that it's Jesus, which is Jehovah Zeus, is not Yeshua. So they take the same image as Serapis Christus, and they call him Jesus, Jehovah Zeus, Lord Zeus, and take that out from the time that he was on the earth all the way up to now. They just slightly altered the, the way that it looked. And in that, during the Crusades, that's when the Khazars, who are Ashkenazis, that's when they became the face of what it means to be a Jew. So, that was given to them. That identity was given to them, not by them. It was given to them from the Romans. All right. Do you understand what I'm saying, Lynn? Did it make sense? It, it makes sense. I got, I got a quick question, brother. So would that be um, functionally the same thing as a title grant? Like what happened with... Um, you know, the, the, the Ashkenazis after, uh, you know, after the Renaissance, when, when they started, you know, basically taking over our strongholds in Europe? Brother, that's an excellent way to say it. Yes, sir, I would agree with that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. One second, brother. Hold on. Okay. You okay, brother? Okay. okay, yes, I'm back. Okay, yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I've never thought of it that way, but I got to bear you witness, brother. So, understand, somebody's God concept is legitimately mind control as a science. It is intentionally done. It's not like it's a science. So here we are, the original sons of God, which is why people, and they start referring to us as gods, meaning like they, they refer to us as deities, writing all these stories about us being angels and we can fly the sky and all these different things. And so other people are giving names to us. We're protecting from Cain, we're protecting the science from Cain, who, who I guess he had it too, but he understood something about it because the spirit that had them eat of that tree is what he was born from. Now, this is what you're dealing with. This is not a game. You cannot go out here and be haphazard and reckless because you could easily see if we were to go out here and teach one of these Negroes this science, and I'm just tapping a little bit on it, 
Do you know these Negroes would be out here trying to make millions of dollars with this? You know they would. Instead of you want to bring the people in, you want to recognize them psychologically and provide the right medicine for them to heal. So you got a challenge because everybody's slightly different. So you got to know how to talk to them, which means you have to psychoanalyze and know something about where they're coming from, what their background is. Then you can use the right language and the right words to talk specifically to them. Anybody got any questions or anything? Well, we know we were known amongst ourselves as the sons of God from Adam to Abraham for 2,000 years. We were the master builders of civilization. We were the master teachers. So obviously, if this same information that I'm talking about here today is really no different than what they were talking about 6,000 years ago. But it had to be transferred. I see why, now that I've grown up in it. It had to be transferred to specific minds to guard it. Because on the other end, you got that satanic mind out there. And they don't even know that the Pharisees are there in the mind of Cain. I just read out the scriptures. They're killing their own people. They're killing their own brothers and sisters with these false doctrines. They're leading them back into idolatry. Do you see it, E.K.? I see it, brother. You know, it's it's the knowledge of good and evil is basically what Cain is trying to perpetrate because it's one thing to know the, the knowledge of the tree of life, but to know the knowledge of good and evil, you know, okay, and I know good and I know evil, but I choose to do evil. And so that's sort of the thread that they're using, but they use good to entice the people, but in the background, they're basically perpetrating the evil that they're trying to, you know, get to the people. So with the example with Yeshua, you know, you erect an image of Serapis Christus that was ancient before he was even on the earth, and then you utilize the works of what, quote-unquote, Yeshua did, which was obviously feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, healing the people, but yet the message retroactively is wicked. And so uh, effectively you basically created an idol god to be worshipped because now you knew both knowledge of good and the evil, but you knew that the evil is what you're going to be utilizing to control the people's mindset so that way you can represent yourself as the God that is being the so-called gatekeeper of how the psychology of the living souls, you know, how we can answer those sort of questions, so to speak. And so you typify your, Im your image as being that uh, representation of those questions. I mean, those answers that are going to be answers for those questions, so to speak, you know? So that's kind of what these Pharisees sort of do. And that's why, you know, Yeshua always referred to and you, place these heavy burdens on these people, but you won't even lift your finger to do the same. So it's like that, basically. 
Yes, brother. And they're here and they're heavy. They're out here and they are popular amongst our people that are finding out that they're the Israelites. They don't even have, and I'm not trying to attack them. I, please forgive me how I speak about them because they have taught us all, and I'm trying to speak in a, in a respectful manner, but to size it up. You know, Pharisees are out there, Sadducees are out there, the Moors. Same state of mind as in the Moors today are, is the same state of mind that was in the Sadducees. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how it is exactly the same. And, and the reason why is because, it, that I can say this, is because I feel like the people focusing on, they try to put all evil on one all good on one on one side and all evil on the other side, and then pinpoint the good as one source and the evil as one source. Meaning, like Israelites will say, the white man is the devil, the white man is Esau. Okay, well, he's not Esau. All of them are not Esau. There are no more Edomites, according to the scriptures. David killed all all of them, but maybe two. So. The spirit that was in them went into their offspring, went into is because it's the same spirit that was in Cain. So we're not fighting Esau, we're fighting Cain. That's one of the fallacies out there. Okay, so but when you start taking the name and you gotta pronounce your language, this this don't even make any sense. How can you read the same book that tells you about Babel? And what that did, and then you come out here and argue with people about the pronunciation. That is crazy. Same state of mind, all of that confusion. All these people do is bring confusion amongst the real sons and daughters of the Most High. They bring confusion and got the people's brains all screwed up so that they're going to argue over the same subject that they claim to believe in, but they're going to take what they believe and make it a vain thing. That is what's destroying this whole planet. So essentially, they had the same spirit as Lucifer. They want to be they want to be worshipped. They call themselves priests and prophets. Really, they call themselves deities. Robert, does it make sense to you? Yes, sir. And uh, another God that they're creating as well is, uh, I just wanted to add to that too, you know, based on everything you're saying. And just based on my observation, when I, you know, uh, look at my friends list, when I'm scrolling up down my news feed, and that and, you know, my other pages, and just in general, um, one of the main idols or things to be worshipped that that are happening now is a byproduct of in the spirit of King, which is these Federal Reserve notes. You know, because people nowadays everything is about getting to the bag, getting to the bag. You know, hey, look, you know, you got incidences out here where people will kill their own mother just to get proceeds 
for life insurance policies. You know what I'm saying? Get get the money off the life insurance policy, or they find out. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. Oh yeah, I was just saying. You know, you got the people out here knocking their own mothers off just for uh, the payout for the life insurance policies. You know what I'm saying? You got situations where, you know, uh, you know, you got this Bitcoin coming out. Everything is geared toward, you know, the, the dollar. And, you know, the young kids call it the bag, get into the bag, get into the bag. Um, but they don't realize that these are byproducts and intellectual property of Cain, whereas, you know, we were the sons of God, which is if we were to use the proper currency, it would probably be, of course, you know, the precious metals or whatever type of currency that we would have, barter and things of that particular capacity. And uh, they, they've created another idol God out here with these Federal Reserve notes, and it's just causing more to their detriment. So these Sadducees also are leading to their own destruction, like the Scripture was saying. They follow their own evil lust and lead it to their own destruction, which is what the Federal Reserve notes, as we've been taught here in this nation, uh, is the, the, the greed of it is led to do. Of course, because of the fact that it represents debt and all these other particular things. But the key thing that the people got to understand is because now another there's another little paradigm shift with this Hebrew movement that I've been noticing. And a lot of people are walking away from the flag, the Hebrew flag, they're putting it down, and now everybody's going out here uh, trying to get the bag. They're dropping their names, going back to their, uh, you know, their original slave master names, and now they're on a quest to get to the bag because, in their minds, this quote-unquote movement is not doing anything for them. And also, because you have these Sadducees and these Pharisees out here uh, creating all of these particular um, ideologies that, I mean, every day is a new ideology that created, you know, like like you mentioned earlier, the 12 tribes chart, uh, you know, the people are saying, they're just making up their own doctrines and ideologies as they go along, man. And, like, you could just see it, man. History, nothing new under the sun, like it's been said. There's definitely nothing new under the sun, man. And, I just have to concur with that, and I have to say thank you for today's lesson, brother, and I yield. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a heavy responsibility, brother. <laughs> it's, it's a heavy responsibility because you're dealing with the psychology of the people. You can't You can't feed a baby a steak. And even me talking this stuff, you still got a reason with it. And you can see it at first, but it gets deeper and deeper the more you keep living. You just get more and more truly awakened the more you keep living. And you keep seeing life through these eyes. Government, law, and commerce first. Then you got to understand governmental. They have to govern the mentality of the people. Now, how do you do it? Do you do it? Okay, if you teach your babies to to follow Easter and Christmas, you don't realize that these pagan holidays impair their reasoning abilities. 
if you teach them the truth that these are not things that we're supposed to worship, now you can raise up their child in the right way. But if you got a child 14, 18, 21, 28, now they're on growing up in a totally foreign state of mind. So now you got to be really crafty how you deliver it to them. Some of them might not at all resurrect, but the Pharisees, the Pharisees have, have created them into proselytes, meaning they, they have made these people run from the, the truth. They come in, they get beat the hell up with all these burdens and stuff, and they're like, hell no, I'm getting the hell out of here. And like Brother's saying, they drop their names, and now they go back to their slave name. So now they have resentment, okay? The Most High had to preserve this and raise up this nation for the, for this very day, with this very thinking. And you should be able to bear witness that from day one, it's been, for you, it's been a, a gradual growth into a deeper understanding and believe me, I can probably go on for the next 120 years and keep going with it because once it got in me and I understood it and it formulated in me, it's a never-ending, a never-ending deeper comprehension of realization and wisdom. Anyhow, I got to get to this other class. So I'm gonna contact. Uh, we'll put. I'm gonna put things in the uh, Fishers and Men group online. I'm gonna take this recording and I'm gonna put it into the university. And I got another recording that I did the other day. I turned into the video that is going to complement this. Um, what we're talking about today. So thank you all for being here. We'll be here again next week. Shalom. 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 Thank you. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.